Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Here's the prayer. Look down from heaven, your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to your fathers. A land flowing with milk and honey. So verse 15 is really a prayer, and it's really a foundation of worship because it's thanksgiving. I love thanksgiving. I love to give thanks to God. You know what I like to do? I like to give thanks for God of things years ago that he did. God proclaims his special people. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 26 in the book of Deuteronomy. After the explanation of the offerings of first fruits and tithes, Moses reminds the nation of Israel to praise their God for all he has done and praise to God to bless his people of Israel. Pastor Rob goes on to explain how God proclaims that Israel is a special people of God and that through their obedience, they will proclaim the Lord to be their God. The same holds true for us today. If we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are proclaimed children of God. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. Remember in Genesis chapter 28, verses 1 through 9, it says, Isaac called Jacob and he blessed him and he charged him and he said, Son, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram. In other words, go to our, neighbor, you know, our, our family, our kin up in Padan Aram, the Aramites, the Syrians, to the house of Bethuel, your father's mother, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Notice, verse 5, So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram. He went to this place where his family was. When Jacob, or when, when Abraham first was leaving Ur the Chaldees, and he went up to Haran. Remember, his father died in Haran, and most of the, a good chunk of the family stayed there, and Abraham continued. Now he's saying to Isaac, go back, or to, to Jacob, I'm sorry, go to Padan Aram and fetch yourself a bride from our kin. And he says in verse 5, So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. And notice, I, I just throw this in here as a free of charge <laughs> because I find this really interesting, just the, the animosity between Jacob and Esau, the promise given to Jacob. Jacob taking the birthright. You can see it that way, but you know he, he, he has the birthright now. E, Esau is full of bitter grapes, 
And it says in verse 6, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about uh, Genesis 28 here. Verse 6, it says, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Stay away from Canaan. Stay away from those girls, Jacob. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. He did exactly what they told him to do. But notice verse 8. This is huge. Also Esau, he saw the daughters of Canaan. Also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebuchadnezzar, to be his wife, in addition to the wives he had. In addition. So you can see one son's doing the right thing, the other son says, you know what, I'm out of here. You bless him, father. He gets the, you know, the double portion, the birthright. I'm out of here. And was Ishmael the son of promise? No, he wasn't. He was from the, 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 the woman Hagar, remember. Out of unbelief, that union occurred and developed, and the, pro, the product of that was Ishmael. So now Esau, being jilted, he thinks, he goes instead to Ishmael, and he takes a wife from her. And, and her name, she's actually a, um, Mahalath, was the daughter of Ishmael, and, and she was the third wife of Esau. She's also called Bashemath. And it's funny, it's not funny, but it's interesting. In Genesis 36, verse 2 and 3, it says this, And Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. Remember those seven nations I read to you earlier in the beginning? This one wife is a Hittite. Aholabama, the daughter of Ana, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite. Was that one of those nations listed? You better believe it. And Basimoth, who is Mahalath, she's from the, the line of Ishmael's daughter. And so he goes the exact opposite direction. I only bring that up because there's a great warning here. You know, and you can just see the, the heart of man just in rebellion. And, and things really haven't changed. Sons and daughters and families and complexities and you like, you know, my brother more than you like me and you got dad, you got your favorite, mom, you got your favorite. And this is so like the world. It's so like human nature, isn't it? It's not really any different than what we have today. But, so let's go on to verse 6. We're back in Deuteronomy 6. But the Egyptians mistreated us. They afflicted us, and they laid heavy bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord our God, and the Lord heard our voice and took on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror, with signs and wonders. And he has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, have, which you O Lord, have given me. And then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And so you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger which is among you. In verse 12 it says, When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, 
so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Verse 13, then you shall say before the Lord, notice, a little something a little different here, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow. I love that. Underline those peoples. The, the Levite, they didn't have an inheritance. The stranger, they were vagabonds. They came in and out. The fatherless, those without fathers, the widows. God cares for those, the outcasts, the ones that nobody, that, that are uh, having a really tough time. Have you ever been, are you here tonight and fatherless? Has your father died when he was young? I'm one of them. My father died when I was six or seven years old. Lived without a father most of my life. And my mother, she was a widow for many years. According to all your commandments, which you have commanded me, I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. We don't have time to go there, but in, um, well, actually, I'll just read it. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, concerning this idea of tithing, we, we saw it here just a few verses ago. It says, at the end of every third year, Deuteronomy 14, verse 28, at the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates and the Levite because he has no portion or inheritance with you and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow there it is again who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied why that the Lord your God may bless you and all the work of your hand which you do isn't that wonderful it's God's it's God's social security program have you thought of it that way as people get older as as their needs the body of Christ helps. They fill in the holes. They fill in the gaps. And I think, I think it was, uh, I forget who it was. Was it Roosevelt? I forget the president that in, initiated the Social Security. I, I think it might have been, what's that? Yeah, Roosevelt, right? So he began this thing, and, um, and it, it's almost sad that it had to happen because you'd think that families would stick together and help each other out. Prior to this, that's what they did. That's what they've always done. But now families are so segmented. They're all over the country. Now you've got a mother who's elderly living in California, and all the sons and daughters live on the East Coast. And they become so filthy in their worldliness that now they could care less about their mother. Let's let the social workers take care of her. It's amazing how cold and disheartened we can be and cold-hearted. We don't even take care of our own. The Bible says if we don't take care of our own, we are like worse than infidels. I mean, there's sometimes you can't take care of someone and then their needs become monumental and you can't. But there are times that we can and we should. Does, is it an inconvenience? You better believe it. But guess what? When you were born and your mother was carrying you on her waist for, several, for a couple years, that was an inconvenience. Being woken up in the middle of the night, having to change you, have to clean up the vomit, having to check your temperature and worry if you're going to make it through the night because your temperature is really hot. And back then, they didn't even have thermometers. They didn't have, you know, the urgent care that we could just run to at any time. But we should take care of our, our own. And he says, verse 14, I have not eaten any of it when morning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. Those are pagan practices. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. And here's the prayer. Look down from heaven, your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us just as you swore to your fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. So verse 15 is really a prayer, and it's really a foundation of worship because it's thanksgiving. 
I love Thanksgiving. I love to give thanks to God. You know what I like to do? I like to give thanks for God of things years ago that he did. I still give thanks to him sometimes in our prayer meetings on Tuesday night. I thank him for uh, putting a roof. We, we had this whole complex re-roofed a few years ago. And I still give thanks to him for that. Because it was me and Andy Hathorne that had to walk around, and there's so much aluminum in these ceilings underneath these tiles that if we could take that aluminum, because we put pans up there to catch the water that we'd go through every day when it rained, and we'd empty those pans. Otherwise, they would have just eaten right through the, the, the ceiling tiles out there in the hallway, and we'd have to replace those every week, every couple of days. So we put pans up there. We did that. That was part of our, what we did. <laughs> I remember standing on a 12-foot ladder, over here in Spins Dance Studio before it was, uh, actually, well, it was still Spins, but before they remodeled and standing on the top rung of that 12-foot ladder, straddling it, holding a five-gallon pail. And because the thing was up so high, I had to move a ceiling tile, and I'm balancing this five-gallon pail, and there's a big pan like this, a 12-by-18 aluminum foil pan up there with about that much water in it. And so I can't move it, so what do I do? I'm smart. You know what I do? I get one of those uh, electronic siphons. So I got the little hose in the bucket, and I stick that thing up there, and I flip the on switch. <laughs> Sucks all the water out. And all the time it's filling the bucket, my weight is displaced. So now I've got to adjust myself on the top of the, the very top ladder, top rung of the 12-foot ladder. I'm really thankful to be here. Because there are some times I'm like, man, one of these times, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go over and I'm going to break my neck. <laughs> <laughs> so why do I bring that up? Thanksgiving. I'm thankful. Are you thankful? It's good to be thankful. But notice he says, you have given us just as you swore to our fathers. Time doesn't permit this, but let me give you the scriptures. Maybe I'll just read one of them, and I'll give you the other scriptures. When did, they, when did God swear to the fathers? He did it to Abraham. Write down the word Abraham, and I'm going to give you a couple of verses. He swore to the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. Put a little space in between those three names, and I'm going to give them to you. Genesis, to Abraham, in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Let me just read it to you. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, get out of your country. This is while he was still in the Ur of the Chaldees in modern-day Iraq. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, Abraham. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And notice, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He promised the land of Canaan to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, again, a promise to Abraham. After these things, the word, verses 1 through 7, the word, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring, Lord. Indeed, one born of my house, he's my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying this, This one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And then he said to them, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. This land belongs to you. Look around. He did it to Isaac. Now I'm just going to give you the verses. 
He said that he reiterated the same thing to the other father. When we think of the fathers, we're thinking of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are the fathers of Israel. I mean, you could Moses as well, but we're specifically talking about these three. So to Isaac, Genesis 24, verses 1 through 7. Now under Jacob, write this down. He said the same thing to Jacob, Genesis 28, verses 1 through 4. And also in the same chapter, verses 10 through 15. So now let's look at the very last four verses of this chapter. It begins in verse 16. And again, this is sort of like the benediction, the God ratifying this covenant again with the children of Israel. He starts in verse 16. He says, this day, and it even sounds different. As you're reading this chapter and you get to verse 16, it's almost like he's wrapping it up. Because remember, this is the last words he's going to say in this section of the sermon that he's giving to the children of Israel. Next week we'll get into his, the beginning of his third address, which could have been weeks or months later. We don't really know. So this is the end of his, his second address. And so he says to them, This day the Lord commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore, you shall be careful to observe them with all of your heart and with all your soul. Wow! Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God. Here he is holding them accountable. Today, you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes. Did they keep those statutes and did they keep those commandments? No, they did not, did they? But did God still love them? Were they still his people? Absolutely. Did they have a tough road because of their disobedience? Yes. But did God cast them off forever and forget them? No, he didn't. Did he allow them to go into captivity because of their disobedience and because of their idolatry? Yes, he did. But did he bring them back? Yes, he did. And did he allow them again to be dispersed in 70 A.D. in our own, you know, millennia, or millennia ago in 70 A.D.? He allowed them to be dispersed again. But then, wonder of wonders, the scripture comes true again. He brings them back, May 14, 1948. He begins them again, fulfilling scripture hundreds of years before Christ was born. Is he a God who knows what he's talking about? Is he a God who only knows the end from the beginning? Everybody else is fools. Everybody else are fools. Every other religion, every other demonic entity, they know nothing. God is all-powerful. You can put your trust in him completely, 100%. Everybody smile. Some of you aren't smiling. Smile really big. You know the God of all of creation. I don't know about you, but that excites me. And he loves us with an everlasting love. And he'll never stop loving you. He'll never stop coming after you when, you when you're straying off. He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. If he was that faithful to Israel, his rebellious wife, how much more faithful is he going to be to his bride? We are the bride of Christ, made up of Jew and Gentile. But notice in verse 18, the last two verses, Also today the Lord has proclaimed you, I love this, to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments. I love that. You are his special people. You know, sometimes these things are hard to take. You know, Lord, you're telling us all these statutes and commandments, and I just don't have it in me. And isn't that what Paul said? He said the law was a schoolmaster. It was a tutor. What does a tutor do? It prepares you for something. It prepares you for grace. It prepares you for Christ so that when Christ came and all of a sudden, you know, it was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. We threw up our hands. We can't do this. 
And happy is the man who comes to that conclusion, I can't do this. Some of the best words that will come out of a human being's mouth, I don't have it in me, I can't do this. And God is saying, hallelujah, because now I can. I can fulfill it in you, and I can work in you to will and to do of my good pleasure. And isn't that the wonderful gospel that we have? And he dwells within us. He gives us his spirit. You know, isn't that wonderful? Verse 19, finally, and that he will set you low above all nations or low below nations? No, he'll set you high above all nations, which he has made in praise, in name, and in honor, that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. Just as he has spoken. And believe me, Israel today, among the... Um, even among their, the, the militaries of the world, people fear Israel. They are like a hornet's nest. they got some of the most sophisticated weaponry known to man. I'll never forget being in the Megiddo. And, I, and again, if you come to Israel in March, you're going to see this because we get up on top of Mount Carmel and you're looking down at the Megiddo Valley where all that battle is going to happen about that we read about in Revelation. Even Napoleon himself said of this, this field, this uh, Megiddo Valley, he said this would be the ultimate, ultimate place for a battle. And that's where it's all going to come down. But right in the center of that valley, there's an airfield. And it reminds me of a hornet's nest underneath the ground. Because you'll sit there and we'll watch it happen. And all of a sudden you hear a... And F-35s or whatever they are, F-18s, f twenty five, F-1000s, whatever they are. They fly over your head, and then they come, and they land, and they land around the airstrip, and you'll watch them, and they'll just sit there for a minute, and all of a sudden they just disappear. They just disappear. They're so far away, you look at them all of a sudden, and they have things underground. The things, when they land, they just go, the cement underneath them, and they, and they just kind of file away. And they got all this stuff under the Megiddo Valley, and they got all these planes park let me tell you something happens it's like a hornet's nest they all come out and their enemies better be running the best pilots in the world but notice what god says i will set you high above all nations even right now there's a fear of israel but there's coming a day in the millennial reign where they are going to be they're going to be praised people are going to realize this was not a bunch of nonsense this has all been about jesus christ and these are his people And they are going to be praised. And they are going to have a name. They're going to be held in honor. And he says that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. He has spoken to you. Past tense. He has spoken it already. It's going to come to pass. Love that. Let's stand and pray. Father, we do thank you for this chapter, Lord, as we finish up this this, uh, second sermon of Moses, Lord. May it encourage our hearts to know that you are faithful, Lord. You've always been faithful. Lord, you've always been uh, very good to lead us into good pastures. Lord, you've always been faithful to tell us in advance the really scary things. Lord, the world is scary enough. But Lord, to know what's coming and to know for sure what is happening on the horizon. Lord, as we look at Iran and we look at Russia and we look at um, all these things and, and Turkey and, and, and all these things going on in the Straits of Hormuz right now from the headlines today. Lord, they would frighten any natural man, but Lord, we know the end. You've told us in advance what's coming, Lord. We don't need to be afraid, and you've got it all under control. So, Father, we just thank you for that. May we give you praise and honor and glory every single moment, Lord. May we thank you of things past just because. (laughs) 
Just because it's good, Lord. May we never cease to give you thanks and praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.